Welcome back, everybody, to Hot Takes on the Lake, the podcast that is for Browns fans, but is also by Browns fans. I'm your host, Nick Pompicelli. I'm here once again, like I am every week, with my co-host, Josh Martin. Josh, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty great. Um, so anyone who knows me closely knows that, controversially, I am a diet soda guy, and admittedly, Mountain Dew has had the worst diet soda of them all. But they just released Mountain Dew Zero Sugar, and I tried it, and it's pretty dang good, I have to say. Now, if you hate Diet Soda, you're probably going to hate this too, but it's pretty close to Mountain Dew. Yeah, I actually just saw you post about this on Twitter before we started recording this. Um, I I like Diet Soda. I don't mind like the kind of weird aftertaste it usually gives you. Uh, mm-hmm. At least most of them do, but I don't know. I've just never been a Mountain Dew guy. Just like... Uh, just something about it gives me like an energy drink feel as opposed oh, to like just a soda mm-hmm. and it just it, i don't know it's just always kind of been yeah yeah no i definitely can agree with you there plus i always feel like a hillbilly whenever i'm drinking it like a mountain dew but um <laughs> <laughs> that aftertaste feeling is is why i've always preferred like the zero sugars like coke zero pepsi zero over the diets um because it like for the most part tastes the same just a little watered down but this is a football podcast so <laughs> the Browns it's funny we both last week were talking about who we wanted as a coach our top three picks and both of us agreed that our least favorite would have been Kevin Stefanski and what do you know Nick that's who we hired well I mean that's just the way it goes as Browns fans you you want them to do something and, you know, it seems like most people want them to do one thing that, you know, seems obvious to everybody, and they do completely the opposite, and everyone's mad about it. And that's exactly what happened this weekend. Um, we actually, we met up for lunch with another friend of ours on Saturday, and I told you, I just, I, I had just a weird feeling. I hadn't heard much about um, McDaniels and all. I just had a weird feeling that it was going to be Stefanski that I just felt you know, after he finished in second place last year to Freddie Kitchens, I feel like Paul DePodesta was going to get his man this year. Um, I, I just felt that he was going to talk the Haslam's out of hiring Josh McDaniels or uh, Salah or Biennemi or any one of those guys. Um, so, yeah, going into Saturday, I just had a bad feeling about it. And then Sunday, it was just it, – it was confirmed and all hell <clears throat> broke loose on Cleveland Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I I was really holding out hope. Even when we met on Saturday, I was like, you know, I was like, maybe, maybe they're just waiting until after the playoff games to announce. But yeah, it it got the hopes got uh, bleaker and bleaker as the weekend went on. And then Sunday, we announced that we hired Kevin Stefanski. So I'm going to let you talk about this first year, because for me personally, I don't know Kevin Stefanski that well. Um, the only reasons I was against him was because I wanted someone with head coaching experience. Even Josh McDaniels, who, you know, only was a head coach once and didn't really succeed. At least he had that experience. Someone who's only 37 years old, has only been with one team his whole NFL career, and, um, you know, has never been a head coach, and has only been a coordinator uh, for, like, a couple of years. Um, I didn't see that being a huge improvement experience-wise over someone like Freddie Kitchens. So that's, that's where I based my kind of why I would pass on Kevin Stefanski, but is there anything further as to far as to why you did not want him? Um, I mean, that's basically what it was. Um, let me be clear. I mean, if, you know, 
between Kevin Stefanski and if we hired like Brian Dable, it's night and day. I mean, I can probably come around to Kevin Stefanski eventually, and you know, I probably will by training camp. You know, um, but I mean, yeah, if we would have hired Brian Dable, I would have probably killed myself or drank some bleach. I mean, that was that was literally <laughs> the worst case scenario. Um, <laughs> so Kevin Stefanski, he, like I said, he definitely wasn't my first choice. Um, and we, I mean, it was basically the same reasons that you just you just said. Uh, his inexperience really as a play caller and no experience as a head coach. Um, he's only been with one organization his whole career, so he's only used to, you know, the, that owner doing things their way. So he's kind of used to it. Um, he's not used to, obviously, the Haslam's doing, <laughs> doing it their way, which has you know, which hasn't worked in almost ten years. They've owned the team now. Um, so that was a that was a big concern to me, um, and then I, I know it was just one game, but I mean the playoff game. I know that Forty ers defense is really good, um, but you know the way he used or he didn't use Delvin Cook in that game just reminded me of Freddie Kitchens not using Nick Chubb, and it just gave me just awful flashbacks of this past season, just screaming at my TV why he wasn't getting the ball. Um, but like I said, that was just one game, and you know they have our probably the best defense in the league right now. So um, you can't just go off of that one game. Uh, it, it was just basically his lack of experience um, and his lack of, you know, being every, anywhere else. And, um, you know, he's a young guy. I'm I'm hoping that he can actually, you know, gain the respect of the players and actually be, a, you know, the leader and not be their friend like Freddie Kitchens was. Um, hopefully he can, you know, gain that respect and kind of be uh, – you know, be a hard ass when he needs to, but also you know, give us up, give the guys a pat on the back when it's when it's deserved. You know, it's a it's a delicate balance that a coach needs. Um, so yeah, that was basically my uh, my, my reasoning for not wanting the for not him not being my top choice. Um, you know, it it happened. You know, we're gonna have to deal with it. Obviously, like I said, it's not the end of the world. As if we would have hired Brian Dable, um, but you know, and. As a Browns fan, you can't you you learn quickly. You can't just judge a coach based off the press conferences because you know most of the coaches that we've had recently have you know quote unquote knocked it out of the park as far as their opening press conferences go, and then they shit the bed when the season actually starts. So um, you know he's going to say the right things. He, he seems like an intelligent guy, at least you know. Not saying Freddie Kitchens wasn't, um, but you know he definitely he he seems to know what he's doing. Uh, the one thing he did say that I did you know you know really want to hear was that he was open to possibly getting an offensive coordinator and having that guy call the plays so he can just focus on being the head coach. You know, with Freddie this whole season, it was just oh you know is is Todd Monkey going to take over play calling? It's like no, I am the play <laughs> caller. I am also the head coach. It's going to be me. Nobody else. Stop asking. So it was like oh okay. Um, so his willingness to at least, you know, be open to the idea of him not calling plays, which I think is honestly the best thing for a, a young inexperienced coach like that. Uh, you know, he also talked about his, uh, his demeanor on the sidelines. He's not, you know, the guy who's yelling and screaming. He's, he, he stays pretty calm and they asked him why he he's like that. And he said, well, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, he's just, <laughs> there's no time to get emotional. I'm just thinking. And, you know, if we can get a guy that's, you know, thinking, you know, always trying to be one or two steps ahead of, you know, what's going on, not just kind of call plays by the seat of your pants that we saw with Freddie Kitchens this year. Um, th- that'll be a big improvement for sure. So, 
Um, you know, I, I don't, obviously I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope we were all wrong as far as Kevin Stefanski goes. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he does a good job, but, uh, you know, I, I'm still not sold on him yet. Um, and we're going to see, you know, after April and the draft and this off season, you know, exactly what kind of personnel he's going to be working with and who's going to be on the team. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. So we're just going to have to move forward with it. Yeah, and uh, I can't, you know, I agree with basically everything you said there. Um, and just to play devil's advocate a little bit, I mean, with the Vikings, you know, uh, yeah, they, they did look pretty bad offensively. But, you know, hey, they were in the divisional round of the playoffs coming off of defeating the New Orleans Saints the week before, a Super Bowl favorite, and coming off of a season where I think they went 10-6. and six. Um and the past, you know, two years, you know, Kirk Cousins hasn't been the best quarterback in the league or anything, but I would say that he's probably had his best years, you know, under Kevin Stefanski being the coordinator. Um, and I think Baker Mayfield is better than Kirk Cousins. So I think that, you know, that does excite me. Um, and while he wasn't my pick, um, it's kind of like when someone that you didn't vote for gets elected, right? Like, it's kind of like... Well, that wasn't my choice, but, I mean, it's better for all of us if he's successful. Like, it would be dumb for me to root for Kevin Stefanski to go 0-16 and get fired. You know what I mean? Uh, so, it's like, obviously, I hope he's here at the end of his five-year contract. Um, but, yeah, it's really just a wait-and-see thing because, my, like like I said, you know, my biggest thing against him was experience. It wasn't really anything. You know, I haven't watched a ton of the Vikings, but obviously they've had a good offense. Um, so... Nothing against him there is just more so I wasn't really in for a 37-year-old first-time head coach. But here we are, um, and we could sit here and complain about Jimmy Haslam and ownership. But unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that, and Jimmy isn't going to fire himself. So I don't think we should waste our time sitting here. Everyone knows he's a bad owner. It is what it is. So um, if anything, I'm more so worried about talent acquisition moving forward because I guess we're bringing back Andrew Barry uh, to be our GM, or at least that's what the rumor is. And um, it's really going to be kind of an Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta run front office, apparently. And I'm, you know, actually more of a fan than most people of a lot of the players that we got during that era. Like, obviously, we've got Miles Garrett. That's the big one. But, you know, even like Larry Joby and, you know, some of the other picks that we got during that era, I think I like a little bit more than... A lot of people do. A lot of people just like to shit on that era. But um, even with that being said, I mean, you just saw the difference of John Dorsey coming in here for two years and the team that he built. You know, I think we had a turnover of like over half the team the first offseason he was here. And then, you know, building off of that, now we have, you know, Landry and OBJ, Baker, obviously, um, Chubb, uh, Denzel Ward and Greedy. So hopefully that's enough talent that's going to grow and stay with us to you know continue for us to be viable the next few years because I'm just kind of scared like uh, as far as I don't know if that very well done positive acquisition of talent is going to continue under this new regime and that honestly worries me more than the coaching side. Yeah, that's my biggest concern as well. Um yeah, you know, I, I it, it's a delicate balance because you need you need analytics guys, but you also need guys who can spot football talent, like a John Dorsey. You know, uh, you can't just have one or the other. You need to have both, um, especially now in the, the NFL in these days. Um, 
and I heard Paul DePodesta saying at the press conference that, uh, you know, he kind of contradicted himself because he said he wasn't going to be making final decisions on the draft, but he's going to be making kind of like final decisions as far as like, okay, well, is this guy going to quote unquote, you know, fit our system and, you know, you know, fit our, our way that the Browns are trying to make. So, I mean, it it sounds basically it's, he's going to be making the final call on, you know, the draft picks, Uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski might say, Hey, I want to get somebody, but if he's not going to, you know, be quote unquote, you know, uh, you know, cause he was talking about, you know, Oh, they have the Patriot way and they used to have the Dodger way. We want to create a Browns way. If he's not, you know, aligned with that vision and aligned with the Browns way, then, you know, that's not going to be a guy that we're going to draft, you know, and that, that just worries me a lot. Um, I agree. Uh, not all those picks, you know, like you were saying, Miles Garrett obviously was, you know, an obvious choice and Oak and Joby was a steal. Um, not all those guys were, were garbage. Um, like most people want to think Higgins. Um, yeah. Higgins is another one. Exactly. Um, I, I'm just worried if they're going to be relying on analytics too much as far as just, you know, and not focusing on, okay, is this guy able to play football? You know, because, and he even said, you know, yeah, the scouts are much more better at, you know, evaluating pure talent and, you know, athletic ability than I am. But, you know, I want to make sure that the guy is going to be, you know, aligned with our vision. Um, so, but yeah, basically he's going to be making final decisions on the draft. It sounds like to me. Um, and I hope that doesn't, you know, come back to bite us in the ass in April when, you know, honestly, if I, if it were me, I would spend probably our first two draft picks on the best offensive tackles available, you know, shore up the left tackle and the right tackle, probably left tackle first to protect Baker's blind side. Um, those two tackle positions are so crucial and I think they would help out this offense so much. Um, but I'm worried if, you know, we're sitting there at 10 in the first round, but you know, it might be, you know, one of the top tackles in, in college football is sitting there. It might be the obvious football choice to make, but the analytics guys say, oh, no, we should take this inside linebacker or this safety at 10 because, you know, just looking at the stats, you know, he aligns with what we want to do. You know, it, that's just what I'm worried about, honestly. It's just, you know, relying too much on analytics and not enough on just, hey, can this guy play football or not, which John Dorsey was was great at. You know, you can say, you know, the guys he took a chance on, you know, had character issues, and they sure did. That's, you know. Absolutely, Chad Thomas and Antonio Callaway, two of them right there. Um, you know, but he was also good at evaluating talent. Um, but like I said, you also need analytics as well. So it's a delicate balance, and I, I feel like we're not going to have that that good, you know, football mind in the in the in the war room when it comes to draft time. Yeah, it's going to be worrisome, and I guess we'll cover that more when we get to free agency in the draft. Um, one other quick thing I did want to touch on, Wade Phillips was fired from the Rams, and Dustin Fox has been uh, floating out that he's hearing that he will be hired as our defensive coordinator. Uh, now that the season's over, we've never really revisited our coaching staff beyond Freddie Kitchens. What did you think of Steve Wilkes as our defensive coordinator this year, and what would you think of Wade Phillips coming in if we did hire him? Uh, I mean, Steve Wilkes, he didn't do much for me. Um, I know people were saying, well, you know, after Miles Garrett was out, we couldn't get a pass rush, which which was true. But our defense was struggling way before Miles Garrett even got his suspension. Um, and I mean, 
he could he couldn't find a spot for Gennard Avery out there somehow. I don't know why. We never got an explanation for it, which was incredibly frustrating. Um he I mean, and honestly looking at his defenses, you know, they have never been really that good anyways. Um so I would love to have Wade Phillips. His defenses have always been in the top ten, you know, just going back and looking at his record. Um he's an experienced guy. Um but I just I don't know. I and I feel like if you bring back Steve Wilkes, you know, you're kind of doing this forced marriage thing that Jimmy Haslam always likes to do. Like, okay, well, you know, this guy was here before you were, so just work with him. You know, it, it might not be a good match, but hey, you're you're gonna have to work with this guy. Um, I would let Kevin Stefanski try to you know pick his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator, and I would hope it'd be Wade Phillips. Uh, Steve Wilkes never did anything for me, um, but I. I like I said, it's the Browns, so I'm not expecting us to get Wade Phillips anyways. And it'd be a total Browns move to bring back Steve Wilkes for another year. Yeah, I mean, I echo what you say. Um, you can't rely on one man to be your pass rush. So, yeah, obviously you take advantage of having Miles Garrett. But, you know, football is a brutal sport. Even if he didn't swing his helmet at someone, he could have gotten hurt. He's gotten hurt in the past. So him being out is an ex- isn't an excuse for the complete lack of pressure we had once he was gone. Like, we could not... I mean, we had safeties getting more sacks than we did, you know, our freaking linemen. It, it got insane at the end of the season. Uh, and I do blame, you know, Steve Wilkes for that. Um, Wade Phillips, like you said, extremely experienced. Um, I, I did not want him to be our head coach. It was never really a rumor or anything that he would be. But as soon as he got fired from the Rams, I was like, watch us bring in this guy. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't have, you know, been completely against it, but just not. I want someone experienced, but not, you know, uh not with his his history. He's he's just he's had a lot of chances at head coach, and it's never wor- really worked out, whether interim or you know like with the Dallas Cowboys. But I did like him as the defensive coordinator in Los Angeles. I'm not really sure. I mean, I know they had a disappointing year, but I was surprised that they let him go. Um, so I would be totally happy if if we brought him in. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, he he has a lot of experience and. You know, not even from our defensive line. Just it didn't seem like Steve Wilkes ever, you know, sent any blitzers. It, he never drew up any blitzes ever. You know, yeah. and we had I no linebackers he, this really season. Have... Yeah, I mean, but I mean, you have to send somebody, especially when Miles Garrett isn't there and nobody can get past the offensive line after he went out. So, uh, yeah, I would be incredibly disappointed. I feel like it'd be a step backwards if we brought him back. Yeah, and what I meant was not that we didn't have linebackers in the sense of no one was talented. It's that our defensive scheme made it to where it seemed like our linebackers just did not exist, either in the secondary or blitzing. <laughs> I mean, Joe Schober got an interception, and it was like, well, who the hell is that? Um, yeah, it, yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, do you have anything else on, on that, or are we gonna, do you want to move on to the playoffs? Oh, I'm good. It just, uh, you know... I just, I just hope to God that we're not here next year doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, with a five-year contract, uh, there's multiple things outside of football that don't, that make me think we won't fire him after one year, unless it's a complete disaster, like three and 13, four and 12. Um, I mean, we gave him five years. We just fired a coach after one year. So I, I just couldn't see it happening again, unless again, it's a complete disaster. But even if we go like seven and nine, I will probably keep him, And I would want to, um, but let's that's projecting way into the future. So let's just hope for the best and we'll keep it covered, you know, throughout the off season. But moving on to the NFL, besides the Cleveland Browns, we had quite a crazy week in the playoffs. So let's start it off with uh 
the first game was one of the craziest games. Um, the Ravens falling to Tennessee. What did you think about this one? Wow. Uh, one, one of the most shocking games I've seen uh, recently in the NFL playoffs. I mean, I didn't give the, tech, the Titans any chance of going into Baltimore, uh, especially with Baltimore, you know, having the extra rest, uh, getting the first round by. Um, and just with Lamar Jackson being on the, the MVP of the league and just being pretty much, you know, unstoppable out there. Uh, I didn't expect this at all. Uh, I don't really have much to say other than I, congratulations to Mike Vrabel. Uh, I, he's looking like a legitimate coach now. Uh, I think you really have to take him seriously. Um, and Ryan Tannehill, I, <laughs> you know, like we were joking, like he's always that guy like, oh, yeah, like what team is he on? Oh, Ryan Tannehill. Oh, okay, he's still in the league. Good for him. But, you know, he's one win away from the Super Bowl now, you know. And when he got traded from Miami, I don't think anybody expected this, even Ryan Tannehill himself. Um, and, and Derrick Henry, my God, he was just a, a man-child out there. I mean, he was he was destroying dudes in high school and college. But, I mean, and he's just running over grown men now in the NFL. I mean, that dude is just a, an animal. You cannot stop him. Um, and I, I think Ryan Tannehill definitely benefits from that. Um but they have they have a good good young team, a lot of young guys out there. You know that receiver AJ Brown from Ole Miss, uh, he, he's a really good young receiver, and uh, you know they've been they've been a pleasant surprise, definitely in the playoffs. That nobody expected this. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I said last week I was like, even with the Titans beating the Patriots, the Vikings are still the spoiler of the playoffs. But I think now that goes back to the Titans, <laughs> um, because to not only spoil both the Patriots, but then the uh, Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed. Um, that's pretty crazy. Um, who was the player, who was the safety that the Ravens got like midway through the year? Um, uh, the guy who was like talking about them being in the Super Bowl is kind of the veteran safety. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, veteran safety. I know they got Marcus Peters this year, during the year. I'll, I'll look up who it is, but Derrick Henry had a play where he was running and he stiffed-armed the dude twice. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Eric, uh, no, it wasn't Eric Weddle. Um, I'll have to look up who it was, but. Oh, uh, Earl Thomas? Earl Thomas, that's it, yeah. Uh, he stiffed-armed yeah, yeah. Stiffed him, like, in the face mask, and then stiffed-armed him again in the back, and just, like, completely <laughs> manhandled him. And I, I thought it was funny, because I, I guess Earl Thomas said something, like, during the week when they asked him, you know, about the Titans, and they were like, well, basically, you know, Derrick Henry ran all over the Patriots, and we're not going to let them do that. And then cut to him getting stiffed-armed twice in the same play. <laughs> you got to love when that yeah, happens. He, I mean, yeah, it was like a full 180. He got turned around and, like, pushed in the back as if he was the lead blocker for Derrick Henry. It was, it was absolutely hilarious to see. Yeah, I mean... I was so high on Nick Chubb this year, and you know, obviously I still am, and I'm excited to have him, but Derrick Henry might be the best running back in the league. I mean, he's having an MVP-type season. He probably won't win it. Uh, he'll probably still go to Lamar, obviously, because um, it's a regular season award, but he's literally carried this team uh, to the playoffs. Him and Mike Vrabel are, like, number you know number one number two carried this team because Ryan Tannehill, he's probably going to get a big contract this year and they're going to keep him as their quarterback, and I get that. But the dude hasn't played extremely well. Like He's he's a, being a game manager, and he's doing a decent job at it. But in reality, like if Marcus Mariota were out there, would it be that much different? 
You know what I mean? I mean, Derrick Henry has just made it so easy for the rest of the team, and obviously you have to credit their offensive line and their run blockers as well. But, yeah, huge upset, and it was not pretty for the Ravens. This was not a, a close, ugly game. This was the Titans blowing them out. And um, do you think the narrative of Lamar Jackson not being able to win in the playoffs is going to bother him throughout his career? Um, I feel like if the same thing happens next year, then you'll start to hear that conversation that he, you know, he falls apart in the, in the playoffs. Um, he's still a young guy. I mean, my God, you know, he, he has so many more years left. Um, I feel like after next year, if, you know, the same thing happens if it's one and done for him, um, then I, I think you'll start to hear that conversation. Yeah, I mean he's 0-2 now, and look, I know hindsight's 2020, and the Titans are the only wild card team that made it into the conference f- championship. But I really do think in this case the Ravens would have been better off without the bye. I really think with Lamar as young as he is, the bye, and he didn't play Week 17. Um, I just think he came out rusty, and that's what I expected to happen. But I expected it to happen against the Texans. And once it was against the Titans, I guess I just didn't have that faith, you know, in Ryan Tannehill and that team. And I I was wrong, obviously. Um, I should have because I thought this is exactly what was going to happen against Houston. Um, So, yeah, I I agree with you. If they make it to the playoffs next year, because let's be honest, the Browns are winning the division, right? But let's say the Ravens uh, (laughs) make it in there. Um, Lamar has to win a game. Otherwise, he's going to start to look like the James Harden of the NFL. And he doesn't want, you know, that reputation or the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. Yeah, those are two good comparisons. Um, and de- definitely they won't forget this year just because, you know, the Titans are basically, you know, Derrick Henry is picking up that offense and throwing it on his back. Um, and, you know, he is the reason that they are there. Because uh, like you said, Ryan Tannehill hasn't been playing well. He's just been, you know, not fucking it up, honestly, for the offense. So that's really how <laughs> they've uh, gotten to this point. Um but people aren't going to forget this. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens were 13-3, and and they were looking like they were going to walk to the Super Bowl this year. Um, they were just looking unbeatable and unstoppable. And uh, this is definitely going to, you know, definitely start that conversation, like I said, you know, especially if it happens again next year. Uh, then you'll start to hear a lot of conversations about Lamar Jackson not being able to, uh, you know, kind of falling apart come playoff time. Yeah, I think uh... – Everybody would have said going into these playoffs just a couple weeks ago, you know, name three teams and two of those are going to be in the conference championship. Everyone would have named the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Patriots. The only way any of those teams get knocked out if it's by one of the other teams. Um, For it to be the Chiefs and the Titans, it's, again, just a huge credit to the Titans. Uh, If they do, I mean, this is a long shot. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But if they do beat the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl, that might be the hardest path that has ever been taken to the Super Bowl by a team. I don't know. We'd have to do some research on that. But to, to take down the Patriots dynasty, the number one seed in the Ravens, and then the Kansas City Chiefs, um... That would be incredible, even if they don't win the Super Bowl. But we'll talk about that later. Moving on to what was actually the first game, but was so boring that I forgot it happened before the Ravens game, was the 49ers uh, handily beating the Vikings. This wasn't even really a fun game 
in my opinion anyway. It was just we kind of expected the 49ers to win. The Vikings, I think, kind of expected to lose because they didn't really seem like they showed up. You already mentioned, you know, um, Dalvin Cook not getting many carries. It just did not look like the Vikings came to play, which is interesting after they had such a galvanizing win against the Saints. But I guess the 49ers are just that good because they went in there and took care of business. Yeah, they certainly did. And, um, you know, it was close for a minute there at the beginning, but then, you know, San Francisco just pulled away. And, uh, I mean, my God, seven first downs for the Vikings, you know, tied for, I think, the first lowest for the lowest or the second lowest in a playoff game in NFL history. Um, yeah, that, that was just embarrassing, honestly, for, you know, for the whole organization. Um, but at the same time, you know, San Francisco has the best defense in the league right now. They are just incredible. All of those guys, Nick Bosa, uh, you know, Buckner, Richard Sherman out there still, you know, he got an interception. Um, A lot of people have given up on him after Seattle let him go. Uh, But he's, he's really proven himself, especially this year that he's still elite um, and possibly the best in the, in the game right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, they were just, they were just incredible. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is proving everybody wrong, thinking that, you know, uh, you know, when they, they were kind of making fun of the 49ers when they gave him that big contract a couple of years ago because he hadn't proven himself. Um, he's making everybody eat their words right now. Uh, he's mm-hmm. looking fantastic. I mean, they have a couple of great running backs. Uh, their receivers are good. George Kittle might be the best tight end in the league other than uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, it, yeah, they were just, <laughs> they were just on a path to the Super Bowl, uh, honestly, and, it's basically uh, who, who they're going to be facing at the AFC, I think. Um, yeah, I don't see anybody in the NFC, I mean, which is going to be Green Bay. Uh, I don't see them stopping them uh, anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, it, just just a, a dominating win for the 49ers, and they uh, they keep rolling. Yeah, it was interesting. It was set, you know, the two Saturday games, basically seeing the two opposite, you know, uh, number one seeds, basically the two opposite um what do you call it, uh, outcomes of having a bye and being the number one seed. You have the 49ers come in and look like the bye would just rested them all and they all were just tip-top shape and came in and took care of business easily, almost like the divisional round was just another bye. And then you had the Ravens come out and fall apart. <laughs> it was it was really interesting <laughs> to see uh, both ends of the spectrum. Um, so then on Sunday, we had, I mean, you thought the, the other AFC game was crazy. This thing. Texans and Chiefs. This was probably one of the craziest football games I've ever seen. Like it's up there with the Monday night game last year with the Chiefs and Rams. I mean, you had the Texans score 24 unanswered points to start the game. Then the Chiefs come back and score, I don't know if it was 27 or 28 points to go into the half. So in the second quarter, score, <laughs> scored that many points. They're down 24-0 going into the second quarter, and then they go into half with the lead. How the hell does that happen? And then, obviously, the second half wasn't really much of a competition. Once that happened, they just came out and took care of it, scored 51 points, and beat the, the Texans. But my, I mean, my God, I don't even know how this happened, Nick. Yeah, and this game was over early. I mean, it was insane. The Texans came out there and just hit him right in the mouth. Um, and Arrowhead is not a good place to play on the road, especially in the playoffs. Um, it's cold as shit. The people are loud. They're doing that stupid tomahawk chop fucking thing. I hate. I can't stand watching a Chiefs game or watching a Florida <laughs> State game because they keep doing that stupid chop. 
Um, <laughs> it, it was just <laughs> they were just running away with it, and you know, it, mo- momentum. That's so important in football. Football is such a momentum sport. I mean, it can just flip just like that. Um, and they got back-to-back turnovers, and I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Yep, they're coming back. They're rolling now. You know, it, it just it gets away from me that quickly, um, especially on, on offense. You know, once the Chiefs offense gets, gets going, it's like, okay, you know, they found their rhythm. But, you know, the, the Texans offense just kind of stalled out, really. I mean, they were just they were just blindsided. Um, and, I, you know, I – I was surprised with how well uh, Kansas City's defense responded because I haven't been high on their defense all year. Um, but yeah, it was just it was an insane, insane game. Uh, if anybody's going to come back, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes in that offense because they can just light people up. But uh, yeah, I-, I thought this one was over early for sure. Yeah, and you know the one thing I do have to say, you know, in defense of the Chiefs early is that. It's not like Patrick Mahomes was going out there and throwing a bunch of picks. You know, um, he had wide open receivers dropping passes, and then they had uh, a muffed punt, and then a blocked punt, I believe, uh, a muffed punt return, and and then also a blocked punt that led to two scores. So, um, you know, when that happens, that's not great, obviously, but that's not like that's not going to happen all game. So the Texans did a really good job, you know, getting that lead, but you just cannot. They just could not stop Patrick Mahomes. Once his receivers stopped at dropping wide open passes, the game completely turned around. And Patrick Mahomes, he won his MVP in his what's technically his second year, but if this was the NBA, would be considered his rookie year. And now he's his second year playing, his third year in the NFL. He might be the best quarterback in the league, uh, which is pretty nuts. The guy is just, I mean, he can... He can throw it for miles. He can throw it when he's not even looking at you, honestly. Um, and, it, you know, just his escapability, too, is really underrated. Not underrated, but, I mean, people just talk about his arm and, you know, the look, no-look passes. But, I mean, he can get out of the pocket and make some magic happen. He, he's just incredible to watch, and I think he really is, uh, you know, I, I think he is the guy to take over the mantle from, you know, the Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers of the league. Yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy. Um, the Chiefs might be the next dynasty if, if they can, you know, make a good team, build a good team around him, and they keep him there. Obviously, um, I could definitely see that happening. Um, but yeah, overall crazy game. Texans, unfortunately, uh, Deshaun Watson gets kicked out of the playoffs. But you know, we're down to the to the elite teams here, so um, a little bit unfortunate. But I think they're I think the Texans are building something. You know, I think they'll be right there in the tournament next year, if I had to guess. So. Um, moving on to the, uh, last game Sunday night, Seahawks and Packers, um, Packers did win. You had the Seahawks. Um, it was a close game came down to the end, but after honestly, like it would have been a good game in most weeks, but we had both of those crazy AFC games that like, there's nothing this game could have done to really live up to that <laughs> after both of those. Like we said, it was going to be the game of the week. And honestly, for as good as it was, like it was a game of the week quality. It just got blown out of the water by the other two, the other two games. Um, but it was still a good game, but Packers uh, did pull it out. Yeah, honestly, I mean, if <laughs> I think only if this game had ended in a last second Hail Mary to win the game, that would have probably topped the other two AFC games. Um, that's just a credit to how good those two teams played in the AFC. Um, but yeah, I knew this was going to be a tough one. I still went with Seattle. Um, Lambeau is always a tough place to play, you know, whether you're in the playoffs or not. Uh, 
another one like Arrowhead, you know, it's cold as shit out there and the fans, you know, they're so passionate for their team. It's such a small market. Uh, they, they love their team. They always get loud for them. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is, you know, arguably the most talented quarterback in the history of football. So, I mean, the cards are stacked against you already right there. Um, but yeah, that they, they, they played a good game. Uh, it was a close game, really competitive. Uh, and, uh, you know, Seahawks were right there. Uh, they had a couple mistakes that kind of cost them in the end. Um, but Russell Wilson has nothing to, to hang his head about. He had a fantastic year. Uh, he was right in there with Lamar Jackson, as far as I'm concerned, as an MVP race. And uh, Seattle's another team that they're not going to be going away anytime soon. Um, you know, they'll be they'll be back there next year, and uh, maybe they can get home field advantage and help them out next year in the playoffs. But uh, I, I still like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers too. Yeah, you know, I just I still picked the Seahawks, even though I knew that was going to be a, a, an upset if they pulled it off. But uh, but yeah, it, it was still a good game, and uh, all around, besides the 49ers game, there were some really good games this weekend. Yeah, for sure, and um, I have kind of a, a a little bit of a random question for you because I've been thinking about this myself. Um, so last year, it might even be the last couple years, but I, I know um, last year there were no wild card teams that won in the playoffs in the divisional round, and this year. We now go into the conference championship, and the only wild card team remaining is the Titans, who um, had two giant upsets to get here. Even if you take out the Patriots one, because that was the wild card, you know, so either one would have been a wild card team. They made it in by having a huge upset over the Ravens. The last wild card team to win the Super Bowl was the 2012 Ravens, and to be fair, it was back to back the year before the Giants won the Super Bowl from the wild card. Actually, I believe they were nine and seven. Um, but it's been almost a decade since a wild card team uh, won the Super Bowl. Do you think the bye is a little bit too much of an advantage in the NFL? No, I don't. Th- I don't. I don't know. It's tough. I don't think so. Um, I mean, you look at the Ravens. I mean, they, like you, like you were saying, they kind of got screwed because they had the first round bye, but also they sat Lamar Jackson. I think they probably sat a, a bunch of other a bunch more of their starters uh, in week 17. So they kind of had, you know, even more time off and more time to get rusty. Um, but no, I, I, I don't, I don't think the buy is a, a big deal. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's the playoffs. I mean, you have to, you have to stay prepared and get ready for it. Um, and honestly, if you finish 13 and three and, you know, their last loss was against us. And, you know, if you go on that run, like they did, I think you deserve to get a first round by, you know, uh, I agree. Um, I mean, look at the 49ers, for example. They were inches away, week 17 against the Seattle Seahawks, inches away from being in the position that the Seahawks were. Uh, you know, but they won that game, and now they're the number one seed and got to, you know, beat the number six seed in the divisional round and now are in the conference championship. So I guess what, what I'll concede is it absolutely makes the regular season matter. You know, we all complain like about the NBA that the regular season doesn't matter and you can be a four seed and beat the one seed, you know. Um, but in the NFL, it really does because of those buys. So uh, I'll say that. I just think it's interesting. I'm trying to think of the right word. I don't want to say disappointing. I just think it's interesting that every time we get to this time of the year in the playoffs, it seems that it's always all four, you know, the teams that had a buy or maybe one wild card team that sneaks in. And it kind of makes you, or me at least, I'll speak for myself, it kind of makes me think, at least for a second, like, 
were the last were the first two weeks of the playoffs just a big waste of everyone's time? You know, <laughs> should we just have a four team playoff? <laughs> but uh, you have to play the games, obviously, and the NFL more than anything is an upset league. So as we saw with the Titans, I just think it's an interesting thing, you know, to kind of to watch over the years and see how many wildcard teams are actually successful. Um, but with that being said, let's talk about the conference championship games. Um, we'll start with the AFC. I don't know what order they're in this weekend, but let's start with the AFC. Cause it's obviously the much bigger gap here. Um, as far as the seating and the, and all those types of things. So the chiefs are at home against the underdog story, the Titans. How do you see this one playing out? Well, at the, at the beginning of the year, I never thought I would be in this position to say this, but uh, I think the Chiefs win a close game in the AFC Championship game over the Titans. Um, I, I just feel like Der- Derrick Henry is such a beast, and I'm still not not very high on that Kansas City defense. Um, I still think he has a big game. Um, but just you know, basically relying on him and not being able to have Ryan Tannehill be anything more than a, an average game manager – uh, I think he's going to bite their bite him in the end, and uh, I think the, I think they keep it close, but the Chiefs win. You know, it's interesting because obviously I picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl in our from before the season all the way up till now, um, and I was actually rooting for them mostly because I picked them and I wanted to be correct, but I was rooting for them and I was rooting for Patrick Mahomes, but after watching the Titans last two weeks. I'm actually rooting for the Titans. Now, I'm still picking the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs are going to win probably pretty easily. Um, But I really want the Titans to win. (laughs) Like, it's just such a better story. I mean, sure, the Chiefs, I mean, yeah, it'd be a cool story if Patrick Mahomes, you know, gets his first Super Bowl. That's all cool. Um, But the Titans are just like... Can you imagine if not like if they went to the Super Bowl and won the Tennessee Titans? Like, did anyone see that coming? You know, going into this year, I think that would be a great story. So while I'm deeply rooting for the Titans, I'm gonna stick with my brain and I'm gonna go with the Chiefs, and they're still my Super Bowl pick. Um, but I I have heard from some Chiefs fans on Twitter that they were very frustrated with the Titans beating the Ravens because they were absolutely sure they could go in in the conference championship round and beat the Ravens no problem. But while they still think they can beat the Titans, they are scared of the Titans. So that's interesting. I've heard that from Chiefs fans online. I I can't say that's the majority of them, but I have heard that. So um, it just goes to show, you know, what the Titans have proved in the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, it would be a great story if they got there and, um, the one thing, if I was a Chiefs fan, I would be nervous about is the fact that nobody, not even any Titans fan in their wildest dreams, could have predicted them being one win away from the Super Bowl this year. So, really, they're kind of the, of the attitude like, oh, we're not even supposed to be here right now, so we really have nothing to lose. They're just yeah. going to go out and play as hard as they can, and, you know, if they lose, hey, you know, nobody thought we'd be here anyways. So, that would be the most concerning thing if I'm a Chiefs fan. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it, there's really, like, the two different scenarios from here. You have, like, the upside of, like, the Nick Foles Eagles a couple years ago of basically what you're talking about. Like, hey, no one expected us to be here after losing Carson Wentz, and they went on to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Or you have, which I think was that same year, the Jacksonville Jaguars making it all the way to the AFC Championship with Blake Borles before losing to the Patriots in the conference finals and then never being heard from again. Are they still a team? I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> Um, but 
I think they had a decent year. I can't remember. Um, so hope, I'm hoping for the upside of that story. Even if it's not them winning the Super Bowl, I hope that the Titans stay relevant because I'm really a fan of Derrick Henry and Mark uh, Mike Vrabel. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go go with the Chiefs as well. Um, so moving over to the NFC, I think the matchup that's a little bit more up in the air could go either way. San Francisco at home against the Packers. Who do you have in that one? Yeah, I, I could see Aaron Rodgers going in there and you know going back to Southern California where he's from um, and, and pulling off the upset. But I, I still just got to go with San Francisco on this one. Their defense is just incredible. Um, and their offense is really good too. You know, People are focusing on their defense, but their offense is, is really good. Um, and I just think, like I said, they're just an unstoppable force. They're going to meet up in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs, and uh, they, they're going to play it out there. But I, I just don't see the Packers doing it, uh, especially on the road. But if anybody can, I, I would put my money on Aaron Rodgers for sure. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. Yeah, you know it's funny. It's like both of these teams have had a thirteen and three regular season. Both had the bye. Both won. You know, obviously the divisional round, but. You, you feel like narratively it's been two completely different seasons. Like the San Francisco was like the team to be win undefeated for a very long time, like over half the season and are like a lot of people Super Bowl picked from the NFC. And then the Packers, it's almost like people were kind of down on the Packers this year, even while they were going 13 and three, <laughs> like people have not believed in them all year. Aaron Rodgers, I predicted him to have an MVP season. I was wrong. He was obviously good enough to go 13 and three, but it's not like he had a game busters year. They've really relied on their defense. So um, it's been really interesting. But with that being said, I think when you get this deep into the playoffs, the quarterback, this is where the quarterback really matters. Um, and I think that's o- always why, like Nick Foles in the Super Bowl is like something you rarely ever see, right? Like it's always, you know, Brady, Rodgers, Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, like in these Super Bowls. So just based on that, I don't think Jimmy is ready Um so I'm going to go with the Packers, just purely based off of Aaron Rodgers you know, versus Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think Jimmy has proved that he did deserve that contract, and he's going to be in San Francisco for a long time, but I just don't think it's his year quite yet. Um, I mean, when, you're, when your head coach is more of a face of the team than you are, I don't know. Again, he's good. I get it. But I just don't know if he's ready to, to go to the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's a good pick. And like I said, I mean – you know, it, if it wasn't for that 49ers defense just being so good and so overpowering, um, I, I might be, you know, I might be taking Green Bay in this one. And like I said, if if anybody's going to go in there and, you know, with one game on the line to go to the Super Bowl, uh, Aaron Rodgers would probably be your quarterback. He would be my quarterback to pick. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be obviously the, the game of the weekend. Uh, this is just going to be an instant classic, I think. It definitely has the uh, the makings of that. Um, so I, I'm just excited for it, but, uh, I, I still just think that defense is just too much. And, um, uh, you know, Jimmy G, like I said, he's not in the, uh, the Mahomes, you know, Aaron Rodgers level yet. Uh, when even Mahomes is on his way there, I don't think he, he's quite there yet. Like you said, uh, he's definitely their franchise quarterback. Um, but I, whether you think he he's ready or not, I just think that defense is too good. And I, mm-hmm. I think they're going to lead him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of just different philosophies. I mean, you have a bunch of people that always say, you know, quarterback wins championships, but then you have a lot of people, experts say that defense wins championships. So I think 
I mean, the Packers have a good defense as well, but I think this uh, this game is going to be very interesting. I mean, you definitely have the favorite pick. I'm looking at right now at ESPN. The 49ers are a 7.5-point favorite, so, you know, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be a really fun game. Uh, and just an update for everybody on our um, Who You Got picks. Right now, I won the point for the divisional round because I had the Packers um, and... The conference championship, since we both have the Chiefs, is really coming down to this game, Nick. In order for you to stay alive, you need the 49ers to win, and then it'll come down to our Super Bowl picks next week. Yeah, uh, like I said, I mean, if it wasn't for the 49ers defense, I might be taking the Packers in this one. But you know, like I said, you know, it's going to be a really good game, uh, and I, I think it'll be close. Like I said, instant classic in the making right here. And... Uh, you know, I'm never going to count Aaron Rodgers out, but like I said, that defense is just so good. And uh, I, I can't count them out because they've just been consistent all year. Yeah, and for anyone that is wondering, the um, schedule this week is the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs at 3.05 on Sunday on CBS, and then the Packers and San Francisco Sunday night at 6.40 on Fox. So it will be Sunday night that these two teams uh, go up against each other. Um but Nick, just think, if the 49ers lose this week and you end up losing, just remember, it's all because the Patriots lost to the Dolphins in Week 17. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still not going to be over that. Even if I win, I'm still not going to be over that, that we had to go to the playoffs in order to decide this damn punishment. Ugh. All right, well, before we go, I think we do have to just quickly mention and talk about our thoughts on a couple of stories Um having to do with retirement um we had Luke Keekley shockingly retire this week and then we had Larry Fitzgerald announce that he is not retiring and he's coming back for one more year his 17th year in the NFL what, what were your reactions to both of those announcements uh first Larry Fitzgerald I mean he's just like he's an iron man I mean they're gonna have to like drag him out of the literally out of the stadium, I mean, for him to retire. I think that guy could go for another couple of years. Um, and he, he's still consistent, too. He, he hasn't fallen off at all, really. Um, I mean, he's fallen off a little. Obviously, he has because he's older. But it's not like he's a garbage football player. He's still yeah. Star you know, caliber. A, a reliable. Oh, yeah, he's a reliable receiver. He always has been. Um, he's one of the best receivers in the history of the game. So I'm happy we'll be able to see him uh, another with another year with Kyler Murray. Um and as far as Luke Keekly goes, that really took me by surprise. Um, he didn't really specify why he was retiring. Um, I have a feeling just because of the way he plays, you know, so physically and just that that position is a tough position to play. Um, especially that guy, he's all over the field making plays. Definitely his health is, I'm sure, taking a toll on him. And, uh you know, hey, I'm not going to begrudge a guy if he wants to retire because he doesn't want to end up in, you know, an old person's home in a wheelchair because, you know, he has brain damage when he's older. You know, that's your that's your life. You go right ahead. Um, not, I have respect for you for doing that, uh, looking out for yourself. And, uh, you know, it, it just sucks that uh, this year a lot of guys retired that are under 30. You know, Andrew Luck, uh Doug Baldwin, uh, Cam Chancellor is another one, and now uh, Luke Keekley and Gronkowski too. Well, he might be back, but we never know. But 
you know, it, like like you mentioned uh, when we were talking about it, uh, it might start to become a trend, you know, especially with you know the new, you know, the knowledge of CTE and just the effects of of what it can do to you later in life. Uh, I, it might be it might be a more common thing than uh, than people realize, but uh, yeah, he's a great player. I'm gonna miss watching him play, and uh, you know, good good for him for having the uh, the wherewithal to look ahead to the future and look out for himself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first off with Larry Fitzgerald, just kudos to him. Huge respect. Anyone that can last that long. You know, most of the time it's not players retiring or choosing to be out of the league. It's the league choosing that they're done, you know, and Larry Fitzgerald has been able to overcome that. Um, And as far as Luke Keekley, um, you know, I guess my perspective on it is like, when you get drafted to the NFL, if you're like a first round, you know, blue chip prospect, you know, um, and you, you know, like, you know, you're obviously going to make the team and everything, um, you know, that's it. Like you've done it, you know, like you've achieved your, your dream of what you wanted to do. Um, obviously you want to have a hall of fame career and win championships and all that type of stuff. But as far as like the rest of your life, like you, unless you mess it up, like you are secured, you know what I mean? Um, so for these players to decide, you know, eight years into their career, hey, I have, I think they said Luke Keekley has made like $68 million. Like, hey, I have millions of dollars. Um, maybe I haven't won a Super Bowl or, or maybe I won't make the Hall of Fame. But, you know, I'm just going to retire and be 28 years old and be a multimillionaire and do literally whatever I want. And my body's not going to break down on me in 20 years. I think you have to respect that decision, especially with, I feel like there's this unspoken pressure in uh, pro sports to like, keep playing for your team or the fans or whatever the case is. But, you know, I, I felt the same way for Andrew Luck when he retired at the beginning of the year. It's like, dude, like if you want to quit your job because you don't want to do it anymore, like that's totally respectable, especially when your job is getting the crap knocked out of you. And yes, they get paid millions of dollars, but, um, you know, just respect to him for being able to step away, you know, from the game. Cause that's what he wanted to do. Maybe more details will come out. That'll give us a clear reason that isn't health related. Who knows? Um, but yeah, got to respect it, and I think that we will see plenty more of it, um, you know, moving forward. Gronk is another example. A lot of people don't really put Gronk in that same category, maybe because he had just such a, a storied, you know, career at a young age with the Patriots. Uh, but he was another one, you know, that he, you know, he's pretty young as well. I don't know exactly how old he is, but and now he's just kind of like, hey, I'm just going to work for Fox Sports and just <laughs> do whatever I want. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing about Gronk that people don't realize is actually he's not this like dumb jock that he kind of puts off this like fret boy. Like he hasn't spent any of his contract money. His the money he has is purely from sponsorships. So he's saved his money and invested it very well. So I mean, he's a lot smarter than than he comes off for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I will never begrudge a guy. You know, if if he wants to retire, he thinks he it's time and he doesn't want to end up like I said with CTE and, and brain damage and you know slurring speech like you know Bernie Kosar does you know a, a guy that used to play for the Browns um I, you know more power to you and I don't begrudge the guys that are that really you know don't really think about that and just want to keep playing because they love the game you know yeah go for it uh, either way either way uh you know these guys are in charge of their lives you know they are at the the pinnacle of their profession, so uh, they've earned the right to do what they want, um, as far as that aspect goes. So uh, yeah, just respect to him for uh, knowing when it's time to hang it up. Yeah, and it, yeah, and I, I, 
because of what you said, I feel like, yeah, I have to say as well, it's not like I'm saying players should all retire at 28, you know, <laughs> like, you know, your body and, and your love of the game and everything like that, obviously, like Larry Fitzgerald, if he wants to play another five years, good for him, you know, um, but also, too, you have to look at this is like the top echelon of the league that we're talking about. If you're the bottom half of the league, you know, playing next year isn't even guaranteed. So it's not like you're going to come out and announce retirement most of the time. Um, but for these very elite players, I think you might see more of this. Um, and, and we've seen it before. I mean, Barry Sanders retired pretty young. I mean, right, there's there's other examples. But, um, yeah, good good for uh, Luke Keekley. Uh, I've, I've been a fan of his, even though I'm not a huge fan of the Panthers or anything. I've been a fan of his uh, since he was drafted. So, um, wish he wish he would have won that Super Bowl a few years ago. But you know, fate fate didn't have it that way. It was it was Peyton Manning's year <laughs> to retire. Um, but yeah, anything else, Nick? Before we go, um, that's it for me. All right, where can they find us on social media? They can find us on Instagram at Hot Takes on the Lake and on Twitter at Hot Takes Two One Six. And you can find Josh at Josh Hooligan R on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find myself on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Nick Pompicelli. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys again for um, just continuing to listen all year. Um, we're excited to, to go at this another season and uh, just continue. During the off season. It's, it's the Browns, so there's going to be plenty to talk about, I'm sure, uh, especially you know when draft time comes around. But, uh, yeah, playoffs are winding down. Uh, end of football season is always depressing, but uh, – it's been a lot of fun, so uh, thanks for listening.